This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chefs. We can go by bus. If there's no fuel, we walk, we compete. Rahul, some famous words from the man behind us in our screens here today. For those who are listening, Thomas Tuchel is no longer with Chelsea Football Club. Your initial raw reactions, my friend. Didn't we just do a Lampard episode about 100 <laughs> episodes ago? <laughs> Uh, Sounds like it feels like it, right? Yeah, no, it definitely feels like it, especially since it was again in the morning here. Uh, you texted me this time instead of me being the one, you know, letting you know. Uh, but yeah, no, look, it's it's surprising, but also not. And I don't know if that makes sense, but it, it kind of that's how I feel about it. It's surprising because yeah. it's happened, uh, but it's not surprising because you could almost sense that. And I said this a few months ago, something wasn't right. Something wasn't feeling yeah. good. Something wasn't fitting well. Uh, even though on the on the face of it, you could see that you know Tuchel and the new signings and Boldy and and everybody involved was happy and and moving in the same direction. Something just didn't seem right, and that was pretty evident in preseason. Not when we watched him in person in Charlotte. I think he was happy, he was enjoying. Uh, but the following result that we uh, Alex was was there to watch it in Orlando four nil. I know we've said preseason isn't about results it's about building fitness but when you lose four nil jackie that hurts it doesn't matter when it is and and it could have been two it could have been one but the fact that it got to four and we barely even put up a fight uh, i think ultimately was where i felt something was not right and i think it has cascaded from then on i'm glad you saw something i guess i didn't see those signs and what was going on in the background and i'll give you my honest opinion when i read this morning i think as a Chelsea fan, there have been many disappointing sackings in our history. Of course, Jose Mourinho was a big one, not once but twice. Frank Lampard, I think, was the one that almost brought us all to tears as Chelsea fans. And, you know, Frank was different because the results were completely poor. There was no trophies. Obviously, he achieved what he did. With the Thomas Tuchel one, I'm extremely disappointed as well. But it's at this point where I've become numb because maybe I'm blindsided. Maybe I didn't see it. But the Abramovich era is over. The Boli and Consortium era has started. And you say, cool, you know, they're going to give a new opportunity for stability for a manager to do more than 18 months, which I think he just hit 18 months as well. But then you look at it and it's like, it's six games into the season. You just allowed him to run your transfer window. And okay, yep, you know, the players coming in, Sterling, Fofana, uh, Kudabali, those guys are going to get into another manager's team, sure. But on the last day of the transfer window, you let him bring or supposedly allow him to bring Obama Yang and he gets to see him for 50 minutes and that's the end of Thomas Tuchel. It just doesn't seem right. It just doesn't sit right. It just, he achieved a lot for us. Yes, results were not going well. Yes, things were not playing well. And I am I am upset about it, but you don't see me enraged because I'm numb to the pain and I'm trying to understand some of the history, and we'll dissect a little bit more of it now, but want to bring you in for some more of your feelings and emotions here. No, I think the word that you use, numb, is is right, because we've been through this for the last 20-something years at, <laughs> at this point. Uh, and the first one, which was the Jose Mourinho one, hurt hurt a lot. Yep. 
but I feel like from that point on, as a Chelsea fan, you've almost kind of come to expect it, right? And and as soon as three or four results don't go your way or or Chelsea's way, um, forget the media. I think certain groups of Chelsea fans, and I guess in in this case, myself included, <laughs> just started feeling that you know something was going to change. And you're right. I think we didn't expect it to change this fast. So that's the shocking part of it. We didn't expect it to change less than a week after the window closed, like you were saying, with bringing in Obama Yang on Thursday. Uh, and here we are on Wednesday and the manager that brought him in is gone. Um, so it does seem like it was a little rushed in the sense that yep. it happened today. Uh, but it, from what we've read, and, and if you you shared the article with me, Ben Jacobs, a friend of the podcast, did a, a, an excellent article, very detailed about Wonderful article. how yep. we got to where we are today. Um, so if you read some of those things and some of the other things coming out of, out of the camp, uh, out of Chelsea... I'd like to pause here and say not everything is going to be true. There's obviously sure. going to be details that are enhanced a little bit and, and certain names are put out there in terms of players or staff or whoever that may not actually have been the reason or even part of the the decision-making. Uh, so take everything you read with a pinch of salt, but um, based on Ben's article, I think you you could sense that a new ownership had come in and every time we've seen new owners come into the league, Jackie, what have they done? Apart from making big transfers, make a managerial change. And I think Tuchel was being allowed to continue, but I, I, I always felt, and I think you may have also deep down felt, that as new owners, at some point they would have said, we want to bring in our own man, which is what every ownership group does. And and I think 100 days into their ownership, like they said in the statement, they've chosen now is when they bring in their own men. Yeah, and look, taking apart the emotions to it, I think one of the things they are trying to achieve at this point is maybe a return on investment, maybe a few things. And we can speculate all day, Rahul, but let's talk a little bit about some of the details that we have read from Ben, but not only Ben, the other sources that are reporting this as well. And that ultimately it comes down to a culture fit, right? You're talking about new owners that want to make a change. They want to make a culture fit. They want to make sure the person agrees. And so a little synopsis, a little bit of background, a little bit of history when Tuchel comes into the club, he's under the Abramovich era. And we know Abramovich is notoriously famous for allowing the club to run itself. And what I mean by that is his managers actually manage day-to-day. Marina Granisklava is there to do transfers and run the sporting side of the house. Petacek is in there to work with the, the players that they want to target long-term. But he as an owner is fairly hands-off. This transition happens and we lose huge amount of board Members, Marina, Petr Cech, uh, Bruce Buck. I mean, everybody's gone. It's a whole change. And from what we understand, Tuchel is asked to step up, take on the role in the transfer market, which I wonder if that's something that really, really put the nail in the coffin. And when you're doing deals like this, there's a lot of communication, a lot of talking, a lot of sharing your ideas, sharing your thoughts, You know, everything that you want to see in a person. You really get to know a human being for who they are, how they want to operate. And I think ultimately... From everything I understood, it's come down to a difference in personality, a difference in vision, a difference in communication, just not what the new ownership wants in a coach and what they're expecting from a coach. Yeah, and and that's fair, right? I I think if you, as the owner, I've put in all this money, which brings me back to the point is if there was that issue of not a cultural fit, 
And they felt that, you know, he wasn't the right man going forward. And eventually they were always going to bring someone of their own in. Why spend all this money and in, in ultimately bring him Aubameyang, which was someone he wanted. And I think Aubameyang was even convinced to come to Chelsea with his Arsenal connections because of Tuchel, right? Yeah. Um, but you forget all of that for a second. And you say, okay, it wasn't a cultural fit, but then you should have done this sooner. It did. It's just baffling at, at the timing of it. And um, you could have done it a couple of months from now, right before or after the World Cup break, which would have given, mm-hmm. um, you know, the club some time to find a, a successor. It just seems a little bit rushed, like I was saying earlier. And and I think what you may, you've you been saying about the cultural fit is, and Tuchel said this in his last job with, with PSG, I just want to be a coach. And I think yeah. he, was, he was asked to be a little more than a coach. He was happy to step in. He was maybe under-promised in terms of what he'll be doing and actually given mm-hmm. way more than, than he thought. And so we don't know the details. Obviously, we're reading yeah. things. Um, but goalie era seems to be similar to the Roman era where it's you're not performing, <laughs> you're not putting in well. If you're speaking up against the ownership, you're gone. Uh, and one thing that will stay true is the fans will be here, will appreciate Jose, will appreciate Carlo, Dravi Di Matteo, Lampard, Conte. And now Tuchel, uh, but at some point, I think this this merry-go-round needs to stop, and we just need to have someone that the players know the owners are going to back, and it's not the yep. other way around. That when things get tough, the owners say, "All right, manager, you're out. We're going to back our players and and bring in someone new because we're going to run into a situation where the league's going to be full of Chelsea ex-Chelsea managers <laughs> um, because we've just had so many come and so many go." Look. And I opened this podcast with the interesting or probably one of the most infamous sayings that Thomas Tuchel did. I think last season he brought in two trophies and, you know, rival fans will tell you they're not trophies that many people care about. Sure, whatever. But us as Chelsea fans, they're the the feather in the cap. They're two things that we didn't have that have added to the trophy cabinet. So I was pleased, obviously not pleased overall in the Premier League season. But look, we knew what we were doing. We knew there was a rebuild on the horizon. And then we get sanctioned. And I think that, of course, winning the Champions League alone is a huge thing. You've got to love somebody that brings the trophy in the way he did it after losing Frank Lampard, reorganizing the team, getting everybody back up and running, keeping the favorites playing, Reese James, Mason Mount, and you you appreciate that. But when, when you get sanctioned and when you have no way out and... You feel a lot of pressure. And look, I'll say there's a lot of people out there who say, yeah, the sanctions doesn't affect. It doesn't affect you, but mentally you're hearing things every day. Like, I'm Mason Mount. I may not get a paycheck tomorrow because Chelsea's bank account is frozen. I may not get to sit on a plane to go to a game. And look, everybody rallied together and everybody said, sure, we'll do what we need to do for Chelsea. But this man, Thomas Tuchel in particular, said all the right things, did all the right things. And for lack of a better word, stuck with Chelsea during a tough time. And look, all of that was a different era, different ownership. Todd Bowley's group may come and say, I don't know what happened last year. Don't really care. I have to be ruthless for the business. But you would think there's some credit due to the man that won the Champions League, stuck through Chelsea during a difficult time. And look, I know you defer on results and I get it, but we were willing to stick with Frank Lampard for poor results. We were willing to stick with Robbie Di Matteo for poor results because They've brought something to the club. They brought that nostalgia. They brought that love. And Tuchel showed a lot of love and passion. 
I mean, I remember the first day he walked in training and he was in the full Chelsea gear and a mask and we were ready to go. And so never going to forget those things, but maybe he could have got a little more time, like you were saying earlier. Maybe he could have finished the season. I know you don't want to see the results the way they were, but you get that time to then say, look, it's not working. We appreciate you for everything you've done. But six games into the season after the transfer window, after Obama Yang, it's just, I know we're harping on here. We'll move on to the replacements in a minute, but got to give Tuchel some some credit here, I guess. No, you're 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 spot on. He walked into a tough situation replacing Frank Lampard, uh, who's not only a club legend but someone that is always going to be associated with Chelsea, no matter what he does. Uh, and he walked in, and like you said, even just wearing the jumpsuit, I think you know people were like, "All right, you know, like that's what he's doing to to appeal to the fans." But the first interview he has, and he comes out and says, I appreciate what Lampard did. I'm not here to be, you know, Lampard's successor. I'm here to be Chelsea manager. Lampard did everything great. And his communication with not just us, the fans, but with the media has always been clear, always sometimes joking, sometimes serious, but always very clear about what he wants to do with the team and with the squad. You add to that the Champions League and all of a sudden he's he's an icon for Chelsea fans, right? They're not going to say a legend yet, but um, he's an icon. Then he goes on and wins the Super Cup. He wins the Club World Cup, like you were saying. And to go through everything that he did from February until May, not only with Chelsea, but also in his personal life, we, we've heard about things that have happened, yeah. um, must not have been easy. And he essentially was the face of Chelsea, the voice of Chelsea, the club, uh, during the turmoil with with the whole sanctions and the Abramovich sale. And every time he was in, in, in the media, he was asked, okay, what about Abramovich? What about the war? What do you think Chelsea has to do with the war? And the only time he got frustrated was that one time where he said, I really have nothing to do with this. You can't keep <laughs> asking me about it. But apart from that, Jackie, he was very, very clear about, you know, how he felt, what the club was doing. And we've got to appreciate that from appreciate that from him, and and we'll always hold him close to our hearts because we always expected more in terms of yep. he's the man who's going to lead us to Premier League, he's going to lead us to another Champions League, maybe. Um, unfortunately, that's not going to be the case. But we'll, all we got to say is thank you to him, and and I'm sure the songs and his his songs in particular will be ringing out loud uh, over the next few games, and rightly so, and hopefully. He gets to rest, he gets to relax, he gets to go away from the game. He has had uh, a tough year. Chelsea have had a tough year as well, yep. but uh, he will be back, no doubt about it. He's only 49. Uh, he's a young man, and I'm sure he'll be back to haunt us uh, in the Premier League. <laughs> well said. I think thank you to Thomas Tuchel. I think what he's brought to us and brought some light at the end of some interesting years has been really, really good. And not only his songs, role, I think that banner is going to be up for a little bit longer as well, just to celebrate him and what he's brought to the Chelsea Football Club. You know, it's going to be a, an interesting time to see who's going to fill his boots. And so the managerial merry-go-round continues. Do you want to start with maybe the least favorite people then work up to the favorite manager that we're looking at here? Yeah, so I think the three names on the list are Zinedine Zidane, who I think is the least favorite. Uh, not sure what his plans are, but... For the longest time, he was linked with PSG. That did not happen. So I think he's ultimately waiting for the France job, which may be available after the World Cup, depending on how things go there. Um, so he's obviously on the list. Don't know how you feel about him coming in. He was very successful with Real Madrid. Uh, to coming into Premier League is a whole different animal. But 
having a manager of Zidane stature, not just as a manager, but also a player, uh, will definitely get the player's attention, will get rival fans, our fans, everybody interested. Uh, what do you think about Zidane? I think you summarized it so well. I think the stature is what's really important now. And not only Tuchel, Rahul, we're looking at Chelsea as a historic football club and We've talked about losing the dressing room, and sure, that's some of the things that they'll talk about. Tuchel lost the dressing room, whatnot. When you bring in a manager of that stature and that attitude and that, dare I say, arrogance, it pushes these players to wake back up. Because these are the boys that won the Champions League, and guess what? We added 300 million worth of talent to that group, so they can't have got this bad. It always comes down to issues, and we've discussed a little bit about that. The, the coaching mentality has changed. Tuchel was distracted. Whatever the situation may be, it takes somebody like that to come. And Chelsea have had that in, in Gus Hitting, where he would come in and not necessarily have that arrogance and aura, but he would be the friend. He'd come put his arm around you and say, yeah, AVB was not the right guy for you guys. I'm sorry. Or this manager didn't work out. We, we got to change out. And he would make those changes and make people feel loved. Versus I think looking at Instagram today, all of the first 11 posted up pictures. Even Kepa, by the way, posted up pictures and stories of thank you, boss, or thank, thank you, Thomas Tuchel. And that, to me, says it wasn't a personal thing. It wasn't something where they're not getting on with the coach and they're feeling like he doesn't love them. It's to a point where it's just not working out for form, for attitude, for whatever. And so you have to look at yourself as players. But we've always said this. You're going to fire 11 players. You're going to move on with the manager. And, of course, we've talked about there are other things that are going on in the background that may have not even to do with results. But Zidane can come in and say, guys, wake up, get excited, get energized and do something. However, here are my concerns with him. I think English is, is a language barrier there. Here he doesn't know how to speak English. I think he's also the type, it gives me Antonio Conte vibes a little bit, where if he doesn't get what he wants, if he doesn't have freedom to buy who he wants, he starts to complain and make noise. And if that's one of the major reasons that they're letting Thomas Tuchel go for, they're definitely not going to be going in for Zidane then. Yeah, it almost sounds like they want someone... I don't want to say yes, man, because every manager has their own identity and has their own way of doing things, but they almost they want someone that isn't at the at the elite level in terms of, you know, have, having it won all everything and, and almost comes with uh, a guarantee of winning things. It's like they want someone to grow with the team and grow into that elite yep. elite position. Uh, and in doing so, they'll end up being a little more flexible maybe in terms of things that need to be done in terms of the club, the administration side of it, um, coaching, whatever it is, the the scouting part of it. And that's where I think Graham Potter comes in, which is the obviously the favorite. But before we get to him, there's Pochettino who's out there, who's been at Spurs, went to PSG, Currently out of a job for the longest time, linked to Manchester United. They didn't end up going for him. He has a pass with Spurs, and I think that's something that would come into play if if he ends up coming in, because a lot of fans will be against that. How would you feel if Pochettino was in the dugout at the bridge managing Chelsea? You know, I, I take off my rivalry hat for a minute because Jose Mourinho went to Tottenham and I will forever love him. Antonio Conte went to Tottenham and what he brought first, a Premier League after I think was five years or three years like that. It, it's Those things are not forgotten and it's not going to affect me. So I take off my rivalry hat and I, and I look at it purely from a managerial perspective and I wonder, he did some good things 
with Tottenham, he was able to kind of develop some players, take them to a Champions League final, have them compete at least, getting towards that title. Ultimately, if you look at it though, Rahul, they never won the Champions League. They never won the Premier League. They always kind of fell short when the time came to, when it was your moment to shine, he couldn't get them to shine. And so he's that manager that's polishing and polishing and polishing. And maybe he's not the guy that gets you over the finish line. And look, you can say he went to PSG and won this and won that. But look, PSG win the league every year, regardless of who their manager is. It's not something, True. I don't want to knock it down, but it's not something that's super duper exciting, right? It's it's PSG. So from his time in England, which is where I want to look at it, there's not much that tells me if he comes in, he's going to be a long-term solution for Chelsea. He may come in and they may have him for a year and they may get that bounce back energy for the players because, oh, it's a new manager. It's a fresh face. He may play a back four. He may change things. And in 18 months, we'll be back on this podcast <laughs> and saying the same thing. Thank you, Mauricio, for letting us finish fourth or whatever. And it's over, right? So I, I don't know if he's the right fit either. Yeah, I mean, it's to me out of the names that are out there, I put aside the the Spurs connection and I say everything that he did with that young Spurs squad. I mean, Deli Ali was a hundred million pound player under him. And all of a sudden point, he's, yeah. he's now playing in Turkey, right? So he was able to get more out of players that, you know, were young and had the potential. And we do have a bunch of those in this squad. Uh Reese James, I think, will perform for no matter who it is, because that's just that's just who Reese James is. But Mason Mount, for example, I think this season we've seen uh, a dip in his form and I think he does need someone and I'm not saying Tuchel wasn't doing this because I we don't know we almost just need someone to put their arm around him and and make him believe that he can be uh even better than he has been the last two seasons and what yeah. he's going through right now is merely just a little dip in form and I see Pochettino doing that but like you said I think what you were trying to say was he bottles it in the big moments yeah. and and he has that Spurs DNA in him in terms of doing a bottle <laughs> job. So um, fine. So we put aside Pochettino and we come to the third uh, candidate who looks like is going to be announced most likely tomorrow is Graham Potter, an English manager who's come up through the ranks. You could say he's, he's worked his way up to the premier league done an excellent job at Brighton you have to say because we just look, to say that yeah you just look at Cucurella who was someone that they bought last season I believe it was 10 million 15 million mm-hmm. maybe and they ended up selling him for 60 or in just a season now of course the player's hard work comes into it but he was given the opportunity by Graham Potter he was coached by Graham Potter to play in a left center back in the back three so I think you have to do give him credit. You have to give him credit for doing well with a limited Brighton squad. I mean, Danny Welbeck is a player that has had his best days and they're behind him, but he still continues to perform. Yeah. Neil Mope, who's someone that you wouldn't think of being uh, in a, a top Premier 10. Yeah, yeah, top 10 Premier League side. McAllister, Lalana, just some of these names that you would just not think of being in the Premier League all of a sudden are being in the top four right now, five, I believe. So he's definitely getting more out of them. The big question is the jump from going from Brighton and no disrespect to them. Right. And I think you have some great points about Mm -hmm. that to going to Chelsea, where you have, you walk into a locker room and you look at 21, 22 year old Reese James with the champions league medal. You look at Mason Mount at 23 with the champions league medal. And then you look at yourself at manager and you say, 
I don't have anything on me. <laughs> um, and I think that's where the concern is because you said with Pochettino, we may be here in 18 months. We may be here with Graham Potter in 18 months saying, well, you you did all these things, but couldn't win us a trophy today before you're gone. Yeah, and I think it comes down to the word I'll use is pedigree. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to anybody because ultimately if he's going to come as a Chelsea fan, I'll support and need to go forward. Look, I had to live through AVB. I had to live live to Rafael Benitez, and I've gone through some crazy managers that didn't really make sense, but we supported and we moved forward, right? So if he comes, fine. That's the first thing I'll put out there is we need to support. But I'm looking over here, Rahul. He's managed Swansea and Brighton since 2019, really. So it's not a long time that he's been around doing this. He's not got a Josie Mourinho CV coming in, or even, you know, I didn't like Mauricio Sarri as our manager for a long time, but he has 15, 20 years worth of managing different football clubs at different levels. And you look at this and you go, he's done an excellent job. He's done fantastic. He's been able to keep them going. He's been able to scout players. Of course, some of that's to do with Brighton's model, but take those players and take them to the next level and sell them on and go from there. But I come back to your point, right? And I'm looking at this and I said, Reese James just got a new contract, $150,000, $160,000 a week. You're looking at him and he's going to walk in and say, yeah, I've got, money i've got champions league trophies i've got this cup who are you and again where this is all hypothetical right you look at raheem sterling who came from manchester city with this winning mentality winning mentality he's come to chelsea at three hundred fifty thousand a week graham potter is coming from a squad where he's bringing in these guys that are more humble more down to earth and i'm not criticizing the chelsea players either look when you're big and you're an amazing talent you sometimes are okay to puff out your chest and say i know what i bring to the team but you're coming from smaller club, smaller budgets, smaller wages, not necessarily stars. He makes stars, but they're not stars when they come into the club. Not necessarily the pressure of playing Champions League, Premier League, Calling Cup, FA Cup. And oh, by the way, we want you to go to all distances in all of these competitions. And to add all of that on top, you're just coming in after one of the a loved managers, similar to what Tuchel did with, with Frank, right? It's just pressure upon pressure, pressure. And I don't know. I don't know if this is the right fit for us. I really don't. In in Bowley's and Potter's defense, right? <laughs> you look at, and I, I don't want to make this comparison, but I'm going to look at Pep Guardiola, right? He started with Barcelona B. Of course, he was a former Barcelona player. He had a great history with them. But he was given the first team job based on what he had done with the the B squad and his history with the, with the club. And all of a sudden, he took them to trebles. He was winning them trophy after trophy. He had a playing style. He goes to Bayern Munich. He was winning them trophies, not the Champions League. Comes to Man City. He's winning them everything, not the Champions League. So sometimes it may just be that an opportunity presents itself. In this case, it, it has come up for Graham Potter. He comes in does the right work, is a great man-manager, like we've said with, with some of the older guys that we mentioned earlier, comes in and manages some of the younger guys, some, some of the older guys in our squad. I'm looking at Thiago Silva, Aubameyang, Conte, Jorginho, some of the senior guys as well. And it may end up being a great fit because we know he has the tactical awareness. We know that he has the ability to go from a back three to a back four during games, starting off games. He know, We know he's able to... Uh, scout other teams and set up teams to to play against them. He, I think he hasn't lost a game in London against London oppositions in like three or four years. Yeah. So that's that all points towards the right things for 
I guess mm-hmm. what we need as the club going forward on the new ownership. The only question, like you were saying, is when things get tough, are these players going to throw a tantrum and throw their toys out of the pram? Or are they going to back the manager? And I think that has to come from the top down where, okay, fine, we've sacked Tuchel, but the next person that comes in is our guy, guys. And if anybody goes against him, anybody doesn't want to play for him, you're out the door. It doesn't matter who you are, Jorginho, Conte, Aubameyang. I'm not saying Reese James and Mason Mount because those two <laughs> need, to, need to be a part of the squad. Uh, but again, those two are Chelsea boys in in sense that right. they'll do whatever it takes for the club to succeed. And I, I don't think a manager is going to be the reason why they don't perform. But again, I I I, I don't know about Graham Potter. I'm, I'm unsure. I made that Guardiola comparison to make myself yeah. feel better about it. <laughs> um, but we just don't know. We just have to see how it goes. No, look, and I'm not trying to argue with you, but here's a point for discussion and something for not only you and I to think about, but for the listeners. And if you want to send in messages and DMS and let us know your feeling, maybe we'll put a story up Rahul and see yeah. how people are feeling about this. But Graham Potter signed Chelsea players this summer. He signed the likes of Levi Colwell and Billy Gilmore, who, who we were willing to let go. Right. And so the point I'm trying to make is the players that he's picking are players that, again, I love all of them, but, these are players that we did not want. These are players that we said at Chelsea are not our type of players. And Graham Potter says, these are my kind of players and I want them coming into my club. And so again, the point I I try to drive home is you're looking through the world through different colors of glasses. And Graham Potter has not put on his Chelsea glasses. Can you you imagine coming in to Brighton where I think he signed Billy Gilmore for 9 million and they they loaned Levi Colwell. And here he's going to come in and they say, you want an 80 million pound defender. How do you how do you warm up to that, right? How do you get to that level where you start thinking about it and saying, this is kind of interesting. I'm not sure what to do, how to handle this. And if you are Todd Bowley, if you're the management group and you want someone who's more communicative and more involved and more hands-on with not just coaching, but the administrative stuff of the house, you're now adding another thing to his plate, which... He's famous for doing a good job coaching the team and just managing the players. And oh, by the way, they have a smaller squad. And so it's very, very interesting to kind of discuss all of these things and see how is he going to keep up with this? Yeah, look, time was the only one who's going to be able to answer those questions if if Graham Potter comes in. Uh, But I think from a fit in terms of what Tuchel was playing, uh, our good friend on Twitter, CFC Central, was able to share that, you know, Watching Graham Potter's side last season, he does play a back three most of the times. He does play a three-five-two, which would end up suiting the players that we have and the t- players that we bought in, and in, in the likes of Kulabali, Fofana, Thiago Silva, who's still, uh, you know, very prominent in this first team. And then you look at Reese James at wing back, Cucurella, Ben Chilwell. I think the fit may be there in in terms of the formations, but you're right. I th- I don't know how. Jorginho fits in now because Billy Gilmore was supposed to be his successor in the squad and now he's at Brighton. Um, I don't know how he goes about setting up the front three or the front two or whatever he ends up doing because yes, it brings a new breath of fresh air for some of these guys but these guys also have to perform. You can't just expect managers to play you on reputation or what you do for your international side or what you've done in the past. So I think Everyone needs to step it up now. It doesn't matter who comes in. It's You're playing for Chelsea. You've got to perform six, seven games into the season. 
there's a lot of football to be played. You don't know what happens. And usually we thrive in the chaos. So it points towards something good happening at the end of the season, <laughs> but I don't want to get carried away. Look, as a Chelsea fan, I think it's it's a roller coaster. So if you're going to be a Chelsea fan, you have to be here for the ride. Sometimes it gets fun. You feel the exhilaration. And other times you get to the point in the roller coaster where you're like, I might vomit. I might throw up over here because it's not <laughs> feeling comfortable. But look, that's what we signed up for as Chelsea fans. We've talked a lot about Tuchel, his replacements. This is going to be a relatively short episode. We couldn't get Alex on today. But before we go, what are your thoughts on on the management team that's Todd Bowley and, and their group? Give me your feedback on how they conducted business. There was murmurings going on about it took too long to get certain business deals done. Uh, some players were being pushed down Tuchel's throat, and maybe that was one of the other things that became an argument. And ultimately, your thoughts on are they going to be ruthless or is this – is Graham Potter or whoever they bring in going to be st- stability, which Chelsea fans are looking for? Yeah, if you'd asked me this question 24 hours ago, I would have said, you know, the Bowley team and and uh, Bedadik Bali and and I should be, and uh, Bowley and the other guys have done an excellent job because you come into a sport that you're not familiar with, you start making connections, you have meals with with Barcelona's uh, president, you go out and. Uh, you know, invite other Premier League executives to meals. You meet with the Premier League uh, director. So you're doing the right things. And all of a sudden you drop this bomb of firing your manager, which seems like you're <laughs> taking a few steps back for everything that we've said with the transfer window, bringing Obama Yang, backing Tuchel, giving him center backs, taking away players that he doesn't want. And all of a sudden you're like, you know what? We don't want you here. Uh, so it does feel like a few steps back, but ultimately if this is the last firing or, or you know letting go of a manager for the next five six years because they do want to see the stability and they do want to have someone that they know is going to do the job regardless of who the players are who comes in how much is spent there's a clear identity on the pitch because let's be honest this season we've looked at games and we said what are we trying to do here yep. we can't defend yeah. we can't attack we can't hold on to possession or we hold on to too much possession and don't do anything with it it just seemed a little messy so hopefully, I think Potter, Pochettino, Zidane, whoever else it is, uh, hopefully not Steve Bruce because there was a fake Chelsea account <laughs> on Twitter saying it was Steve Bruce. Um, but whoever comes in is the person that is backed by this ownership group, is given the right tools. I yep. know we're moving towards more of a data-based uh, system, recruiting system, and and hopefully this the next manager is into that idea uh, and that's all we can ask for. And I think you had said, what do we expect going forward? Or I think there's what, a second what, part to your question. Yeah. What do we expect from them going forward? Do you think it's going to be more of the managerial go around or are they actually going to give whoever they bring in a little bit of time? Look, ultimately it's a business. So if we're <laughs> about to lose money and not make a return on investment, they're going to make decisions that end up facilitating a return on investment and getting them closer to, making some of the money that they've spent, which was a lot. I think that's a fair point. And look, they came in with no debt. Abramovich was gracious enough to wipe that off. And so they spent heavily. They at least shown the Chelsea fans that they want to invest in the club. They've done a few things that we've seen as far as putting up the Stamford Bridge signs back up. They're talking about renovating and investing the stadium. So again, like I said, I'm numb at the beginning of this podcast. So I'm not going to sit here and criticize them too much. I think... They didn't give Tuchel the time, but we're going to give the owners the time. I don't want to have a Glazer situation where we're out <laughs> here protesting every time there's something we don't agree with. But 
I'll give you my wrapping up thoughts and then you can take us home after that. But Thomas Tuchel will forever be and will remain a Chelsea legend. I know you're not said quite legend yet, but we only have two Champions League trophies and he's one of the men that brought it home after a turbulent time, losing Frank, as I repeat myself here. And whatever the future holds, I think Chelsea need to find somebody to bring some stability to the club. And if they do end up firing people, maybe pick a little better time to do things <laughs> and not give us all a scare and a heart attack six games into the season. But I hope that whoever he brings in, whoever the management team brings in, is willing to drive a bus across Europe to compete in Champions League if it's needed. <laughs> yeah, that's very well said. And that's all we can do, right? Is thank Tuchel, wish him the best, uh, because ultimately we're Chelsea fans and we're here for the club. Uh, and hopefully the next manager has the right connection with the fans and is able to get the backing, not just of the owners, but also of the fans, because you know that's equally as important. And the players that weren't playing or were not first choice, hopefully they all step up now because now is the time to do it. There's a World Cup coming. There's teams that will be setting up their squads and and ultimately you're playing for Chelsea. You're getting paid a lot of money to do so. So uh, it shouldn't matter who the manager is, but I get it. There's a human part to it. And so wishing Tuchel the best, wishing Chelsea the best. What do you think happens? I know you said it was your party thought. Fulham away this weekend. Uh, quick prediction from you before I before I close it out. Yeah, look, I think we need to have the win. I think usually Chelsea team, unfortunately, is very famous for bouncing back when a manager is gone. And so I'm expecting a win at this point, maybe 2-0 at this point. Um, I'm expecting a win too. And that'll be a first away win since the Everton, which was over a month ago. So yeah. it's long overdue. Hopefully we wanted it. Unfortunately, we won it under, under Tuchel. Not going to happen, but whoever it is, let's get that win and let's get back on track because we're just at the beginning of the season, guys. And uh, there's a lot of football to be played here. But that wraps it up. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels on Google uh, Podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and Instagram. And on Twitter, it's at Premier Chels. And we will be back to do a Fulham review. Welcome a new manager, hopefully, by then. Uh, and look at the future under a new manager. But until then, stay safe and up to Chels. Hey guys, the Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.